entertainment capital of the world. It's the T.C. Martin Show. A freshman has won it for the Wolverines. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. T.C. Martin. Gives it to Jenkins for the championship. Doctor is now in. Oh, glad to have you here on this Wednesday, middle of the work week, hump day, wild Wednesday, call it what you want. TC Martin back from Houston, and mucho thanks uh, to the crew who filled in for me while I was in H Town. Scott Spritzer, Marco D'Angelo on Friday, and Brian Feldman, outstanding job yesterday, and of course, Numchuck, my man here for a Holding it down, making it all happen, pressing all the buttons for a majority of the t- right time. It was like 85% right. You were 85%. I was about I was about 85. That's a pretty good free throw shooting percentage. But as far as radio goes, I'm not exactly sure if that's really where you want to be. You want to be pretty much close to 100. I was trying. Okay. You try real hard. All right. Very nice, my friend. All right. Uh, yeah. So much thanks uh, to everybody. Uh, there who, uh, here back in Vegas, uh, while I was traveling, got back, uh, late last night. And, uh, of course, plenty of stories to tell. And I'm sure Numchuck would just love to take this first segment and talk about my Houston trip because I know that. that I think I just want to go day by day. day. Uh, Let's just start day one. What'd you do? Day one. Okay. So I flew in. When did I fly in? Friday morning. Friday. Yeah. Friday. Okay, so Friday, uh, checked in the hotel, uh, again, downtown area. Checked in with us. Uh, checked in with, with you guys. The, the show hosted at the Westgate, the Superbook with Scott and Marco. And, uh, that, that went well. Um, yeah, I got in no problem. No problems with the flight. No, no flight issue. No, no travel issue. issue. No. Did you, did you have I, I do Ariel? Have a fl- I do have a flight story, but that's the return flight. Did you have Ariel? Did not have uh, Ariel, the Lyft driver. Oh, you know who I had? I this this is weird. Yeah. So guy picks me up, and uh, we start talking. In yeah, you know, I always like to be friendly to the, yeah. to the to the driver, you know, because we got we got you know half hour, forty five minute drive or whatever, and uh, ask him where he's from. And uh, this guy did speak English, very good English. He's from Houston. But then he says, originally, he goes, I'm from California. So I get that a lot. Yeah. And 85% of the time, it's Southern California. I go, oh, what, what, part, what part of California are you from? He goes, Sacramento. I go, no oh, way. Boy. No way. He goes, no, I am. And, it, and I go, really? And then he rolls up his sleeve and shows me a tattoo. It says, Sacramento on it. Now, even guys from Sacramento don't want to be. I've never seen anybody who lives in Sacramento who has a Sacramento tattoo. This guy who lives in Houston has a Sacramento tattoo. So, yeah, so the, the ride was smooth. Got to the hotel in plenty of time so I could get to the Astros game on Friday night. And again, you know, that, that Friday night game was a huge game for them because that was, even though the home opener was Thursday night. Yeah. Friday night was the pomp and circumstance. Friday night was the night that they were giving out the rings. Yep. So um I got into the park 
right when they were starting the ring ceremony, which was very, very cool. Uh, great atmosphere. And the Astros won the game that night. So, uh, yes, very, very, very good first night. Astros victory. Ring ceremony. Were they in the Space City jerseys that, that you despise? No, that's Monday. Monday. They do Monday Space City. Okay. They usually do the orange on on Fridays. And then the blue, which I really like on Sunday. Are they doing uh, retros at all this year, do you know? I don't know. I don't know. I don't. But I did get a couple presents. I while love I, while I was there. Presents are always fun. I got a present. You got a present. I mean, present for me. No, I can't. I, can't, I know what you meant. <laughs> now, if I if I could could kipe a ne- uh, another one, I would. But uh, there you go. What do you think of that? You wish we had video right now. You just stole that from Dusty. Don't lie. I, I didn't. Yeah, his is uh, is gigantic. But I want you to feel this. This is a Astros World Series championship ring. I want you to feel that. Why are you stealing Pena's ring? <laughs> Dude. You can't steal JP's ring. I didn't steal anybody's ring, man. It's, but is that is that is that pretty heavy? Decent quality. They were giving these out. And this is what fans got. They got an Astros championship ring, a replica ring. I but love it. It this is it, it's no, very, it's very decent, heavy. Yeah. 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 It's pretty cool. It was it was pretty cool. So uh, there you go. It's like you immediately look into Jeremy Pena. Why yeah. you? Ste- I was gonna yeah. say, why are you stealing Pena's ring? Yeah. That's what they gave me, man. There it is. I'm, I'm a shortstop now. Don't you know that? Yeah. Yeah. No, these rings are are they're heavy. They're heavy. They're big. They're rock. Even Dusty was blown away by it, saying craziness. So yeah. Then uh, dinner Friday night. Uh, well, really didn't eat, uh, but just more. At uh, one of our favorite spots. Shout out, of course, uh, to Mr. Jim Crane and my main man, Nate. Nate the Great, uh, who listens long distance. Uh, the, the fine host at Potente Restaurant. And yeah, so that was a spot uh, as we've gone many, many times uh, afterwards. Uh, had a great time there. And luckily that the Astros won that game uh, Friday night because they haven't been off to a great start. But uh, again, so then they they won Friday night. And uh, lost on Sunday, and uh, won today though. So on getaway day, so they got a victory over the Tigers today. But yeah, uh, White Sox and Astros. So I got to see two of those games Friday and Sunday. That was great. Hold on, before we go any farther. Yes, pitch clock. Let's talk this. Okay, so the pitch clock. I was actually kind of surprised. I was shocked that. Remember, I said I I need to experience this yeah. to see where my eyes were going to go. I wasn't focused on the clock. And it was probably maybe an inning into it where I said, oh, let me check out the pitch clock. And it it wasn't a distraction at all. I didn't even think about it. Now, I don't know if it was just because used to that park and but the the flow of the game was was great. There was nothing nothing wrong with that. But I remember us talking yeah. about this and how am I going to react to this? What's going to be like? But honestly, didn't notice it. Didn't even notice it. And as the game went on, there were no pitch clock violations. However, when we got to the ninth inning, all right, there was a lot of drama with that. 
about uh, the pitcher for the White Sox, their closer, stepping off a couple different times. And Dusty even went out to at the end to talk to the umpire. Um, and this guy actually balked uh, in, in Sunday's game in the ninth inning as well, too. So there were no violations. Um, did not see that. But did see a balk. But no violations, automatic uh, balls for the pitcher, or not an automatic strike called on the hitter in the two games that I was at. So non-factor. And it probably goes to show that these guys have been well-schooled during the course of spring training and are, are are really not affected by it. But they have gotten used to it. And it's it's going to be one of these things where it's going to become a non-factor, I think, very, very soon. So did you see Sandy Alcantara? I can't even say his Alcantara? Last. Yeah. Yeah, what about him? How long that game From was? Miami? How, how long the game was against the Twins? Mm-mm. Hour and 57 minutes. Wow, 157. He went nine innings, three hits, no runs, one walk, five. And he went the distance. And he went the distance. That's shocking in itself right there. So this is what you're going to get. So I was looking at the clock, like how long these games went. Uh, the games are where I was at, two hours and 45 minutes. So they were still going. They were still, I mean, yeah, not that different. But, but there was plenty of mound visits. Yeah. You got into that. So I saw what, a 6-3 game. I saw two 6-3 games. 6-3, Astros win on Friday. They lose on Sunday, 6-3. And I noticed today's game, because I was keeping an eye on that while I was coming in today, and that game was three hours, you know, today. And final score, Astros beat the Tigers 8-2. to So, I think, yeah, more runs that are scored, you will have that type of thing where the games will approach three hours. But it did fly by. It, it really did. Because I looked up at the scoreboard and I go, Wait a minute, I gotta get my hot dog now. It's already the fifth inning. Yeah, I gotta go right now. So of course I was thinking about you when when I did the whole food thing as well, too. So that was great. Uh Mattress Mac got a chance to to see him. A lot of st- great stories uh with that. Got a chance to go uh uh watch a couple innings in his suite. And uh, he's got seats all over the ballpark. He's got seats all over the ballpark. Lucky. And I was asking for a friend. Uh, for some seats, and I, uh, I was going going to get my media credential, and he was outside, and so we ran into each other, and I said, "Hey, Mac," I said, "What do you got ticket wise today?" And he goes, "Oh, he goes, here's my phone. Gives me, he goes, take my phone and just go to my MLB ballpark app and pick out whatever you want like that." And I said, "Well, it's not for me." I said, "I know some people were asking me for for tickets today." Yeah, I mean that's the way it is. So you, now you know why. He had to give me his phone, and he wanted me to go through because it's his account, and he was probably swamped. There you go, there you go, bombarded, and and he walked up, boom, we started talking. Then all of a sudden, here come the people, unbelievable. And like he didn't he say that on the show Monday, right? Yeah, where where he didn't get a chance really to see an inning of any of the games over the weekend because he was bombarded. But hey, by the way, and I appreciate Mac for joining us on, on on Monday on the show. I have no tickets in my ballpark app. You don't? Nope. Why? Because I'm not Mattress Mac. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least you have a ballpark uh, I, app. I'm surprised. I do, do, do have you know, been to a game? I have. Okay. I used to live at Wrigley. Well, I know, but I know not when not, the ballpark app was. So basically, I downloaded this for yeah. us because it's, oh. it's got that food map in it. Yeah. And so right. like, I was going through and like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. 
Yeah, so that the, the baseball part of it uh, was fantastic. And then, of course, we go to the Final Four on Saturday. And um, 73,000 in attendance. Atmosphere was fantastic. Didn't matter which teams were there or which teams were not there. It was a great atmosphere. And, of course, the Saturday night game, the first game between San Diego State and Florida Atlantic, outstanding. I just felt really bad for Florida Atlantic. Uh, they had a 14-point lead over San Diego State. And even San Diego State players and fans, they knew. They they shouldn't have advanced to Monday's championship game. But they hit the buzzer beater uh, at the end of the game. And that was the only lead that they had in the second half, in the final second of the game. So felt very bad for Florida Atlantic, those players, coaches, and fans. And then we knew what was going to happen Monday night. San Diego State was going to get drilled by UConn. Which they did. And UConn looked fantastic because they blew out Miami. And, uh, then they blew out, uh, San Diego State. 16 point victory on Monday night to, to win the national championship. But, uh, just very impressed with, with everything the NCAA does as, as far as how they run, uh, the events and everything. One thing that I was kind of a little perturbed about, and what I shouldn't say perturbed, but check this out. And this was different than last year in New Orleans. So, um, I'm there on the court, and they didn't want to allow the media on the court immediately after the game because they're gonna, you know, put yeah put they put the the little stage risers up there for them to take their pictures. They want to cut down the nets, so start making way on the floor, and they go, uh, no, not not till after they cut down on the nets. So they weren't allowing media. So of course our good friend, your your buddy TJ Reeves, of course, wants to summons me to the back to hey will you come on and, and and do interview with me and you know he'll do his college basketball coast to coast show. I said fine because we were doing that after the games on on Saturday and and then Monday night after the championship game, kind of like we did last year. I go that's fine. So now we get done with that, and I head back to the court. They're not allowing any media on the court. Still, because you ready for the rule? What is the rule? The rule is so it's like a herd of media are, are waiting to you know come through the tunnel, got right? You. Yeah, and they go, you got to be held back. You can't, you can't go. Not uh, yet. Not what, yet. What is the reason for this, sir? Not allowed to go until thirty seconds after the completion of one shining moment. <laughs> Explain this to me. So, me being the guy that I am, uh, what does that have to do with anything? We can't be out there for one shiny moment. And there are some of these media guys that are crazy about one shiny moment. I haven't missed one shiny moment ever. It's like, it, 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 it's 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 one of the worst. I told you never to play this song again. The worst Luther Vandross song of all time. Oh. And the curtain's set to rise. The madness. So why they they don't want anyone out there until 30 seconds after the completion, and then they go off the air, right? So then you hear someone right outside the court, they go, let them in! And then here comes the herd of cattle. Now, while the herd of cattle are running onto the court now, okay, as UConn players are still cutting down the nets, so, you know, so got some good pictures with that. But you'll like this story. So, Charles Barkley is running off the court, done with the broadcast, 
actually running, jogging into the tunnel. And then there's some meat. Chuck runs? Yeah. Slow jog. Okay. Slow jog. And then while we're, you know, yeah, some people I, are running or walking fast, right? Going right by each other, right? In the, in the tunnel. You got, I got, I got, you got the I visual. Got, I got the visual. Beautiful. Beautiful. So some media goofball says, Hey, Chuck, Yukon, baby, Yukon. You know what Barkley's response was? I don't give a bleep. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> and this guy was like, why would he say that? I go, because he's here for the check, baby. Exactly. He's here for the, he's off. He's done. He's going to go party. He's going to get on a plane and go back home. His deal is over. He's getting paid. Just cracks me up. But of course, being Charles Barkley, he's going to just say whatever's on his mind. I mean, I, I probably wouldn't have, I know I wouldn't have done that, but it's like, you know, I don't give us. <laughs> so, you know the word that he used. Yep. There you go. Anyway, so, um, yeah, so that was that. So, Saturday, Monday, great stuff. Uh, fan bases were out of their mind, they were bonkers. The transportation system, you know, you're dealing with light rail, so it's craziness with all that. And they made it free for from Friday through Monday night, so everybody rode so every, the rail yeah. for free. Yeah, no media buses. Oh, you guys just ride the rail. Well, do we need passes for the rail? What do we need here? Oh no, it's free. What do you mean it's free? It's you know, these guys were trying to make money. No, no, no. The city of Houston says everybody rides the rail for free, which means everybody's on the rail. Houston messed up. They could have had some extra cash in their pockets. I was looking at that building and that arena, and I'm just thinking, look at the money-making machine that they've got going on here. It is amazing. They got, obviously, you know, you've got your concessions, but you've got the NCAA official merchandise. You got that going. Um, you know, I know people that were trying to get tickets the final hour before the game. Getting the lower level for as low as 200 bucks. That's impressive. Because these seats were going for 2000 2500 If you had VIP packages, oh yeah, 10 grand for the VIP package would get you up close, you know, to the court and get you... Um, you can, after the championship game and after everyone else is gone, you can get on the floor on Monday night uh, for that. So, yeah, what a money-making machine. But uh, for me, no different from last year, even though you had the Blue Bloods. You know, you had Kansas and, you know, Villanova. And, you know, you had uh, North Carolina. You had all those teams there. Uh, great, great, great experience uh, all the way around. Hmm. Next question. How about this root beer float that root beer float? Oh, for lunch yesterday. For for lunch yesterday. Okay. So uh you saw the picture. No, you I saw the picture of the you burger. Saw the, the you, burger you said and the there dog. was no burger. Or, yeah. or you said that there was a picture and there was a story that I should ask you today. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So uh my man Nate uh says, where do you want to go? And I said, I'd I'd wanna uh, g- give me your best burger. I said, give me your best burger. I was in a burger mood. 
or a steak sandwich. I said, let's go burger. He goes, I got the spot. So he takes me to the burger joint. So what's it's called. The it's burger, called the burger the joint. The burger joint. That's the and place that has those the, 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 the fresh cut fries. Yeah. Oh, baby. boy. Got to be fresh cut fries for the prerequisite. Exactly. Right. And just like when I went my my steakhouse to Vic and Anthony's, fresh cut sea salt fries as well, too. Um, which didn't make the picture because I figured people wanted to see the baked potato. You know, went both. So anyway, yes. So the burger... And the dog, um, and the fresh cut fries. So I said, I think I'm going to go with, with the shake, uh, or a float afterwards. Cause they had the big old sign said, oh, shakes are, are awesome. Floats are awesome. And it had me going. So I get done with the meal and I go to order a root beer float. And I was going back and forth about whether I want a chocolate shake or a root beer float. It was a tough call. So, I said, do you use chocolate ice cream for your chocolate shake? Very relevant question. Uh, well, because uh, yeah. me, that, that's, the, that's the only question I'm asking yep. because I don't want vanilla, as you well know, and I don't want the chocolate syrup because it's not a chocolate shake. A chocolate shake is the chocolate ice cream. And here I go again. Whatever the flavor of that shake is, it better be the flavor of that ice cream. Not vanilla with some... You know, Rudy Poo, little flavoring, okay? Or syrup. I can't stand that. All right. So they got to call in the reinforcements because, well, I don't think so. Let, let me get a manager over here. All right. So in any time you got to get a manager and they don't know the brand of hot dogs they're using or the ice cream, you, you know you're in a little bit of trouble. So I'm starting to, okay, I may have to back off of this, even though I'm kind of really jonesing for a chocolate shake or a root beer float. So come back and they go, uh, no, we don't use chocolate ice cream. We use a chocolate flavoring and it's mixed in. So now I'm lost. I'm mixed, uh, mixed in. Okay. Tell you what, I'll just go with the root beer float. Oh, root beer float. Okay. Fantastic. Root beer float. I go now. What's that? That's what vanilla ice cream. Of course. Right. I'm looking around. Oh God. No, I don't see any ice cream. I don't see an ice cream. So you know what they're pointing to? They're pointing to the soft serve machine. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Soft serve yep. machine. All right. So they start to make the root beer float. I go, is this what you're using to make the root beer float? They go, yeah. I go, time. I look around like, what? I go, thank you very much. Have a nice day. And I'm gone. Yep. Do you blame me? Now, I don't blame you at all. See, there you go. Okay. I know some people are going to say, okay, we know you're a snob, you're a seat snob, you're a food snob, you're all this other stuff. Well, yes, true. But I didn't want to have the root beer float. I'm sure it would have been good, but I don't want the soft serve out of the machine. So that's why you did not see the picture of the root beer float. I got you. Contest. <laughs> Jackrabbit Slims? Yeah. Kind of like Jackrabbit Slims. Old school, been around for about 25 years. I will tell you, man, burgers, outstanding. All right? Outstanding stuff. So, and the fresh cut fries. So, that's my story with that. Yeah. I will say this. Um, I do have a story on the way home, though. Okay. Well, let, let's okay. hear this returning flight story. The returning flight story last night. Okay. Um, got there on time. No delays. Okay. Going. Going. Got the airport plenty early. Um, no delays. Fine. Have you ever gone through 
picking the wrong seat before. As in, you have the ticket that's A seven or A, you know, seven A. Yeah, and, and you have you have no idea that you know that you think that's going to be a pretty good seat, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, the return was on Southwest. Okay. So you know Southwest, where you the herd of cattle, and you get to pick. You know, it's a it's free for all, right? Yes. Okay. So I was in kind of the, the later part of, the, of of the first group, and I like to sit in the front. All right. So when I'm booking my own flight or if I do the Southwest thing, I like to sit either first, second, third. I just like to be up front. Okay. So there's an open seat in, in, in the front and this girl is sitting, teenage girl is at the window and there's a guy on the aisle. So I'm going, eh, everything else. Yeah. I prefer an aisle seat, but I don't want to go in the mid or the back. So I just look and I say, you know, and neither one was large. That's which is key. You know, I don't want to have enough yes. room, especially if you're going to go a middle seat. But I really like that extra leg room that you get yeah. in the front. So I, I said, you know, okay. And they go, sure. So I had two bags of Lay's potato chips with me, the smaller ones, right? And so the first sign I, I knew I was maybe in trouble here, as the girl who was sitting next to the window, she goes, it, it, as long as you're not going to open those lays in front of me or something like that. I go, oh, I guess I'm sharing now or whatever. Okay. Which I didn't end up doing for, for the reason I'm about to tell you. So I'm sitting next to, I don't know what she is, 16, 17, 18, maybe 19 year old. Uh, I don't know. All right. So this flight did not have like the television screens or the monitors in front of you. So she's watching a movie. Okay. You know how you go through the the Southwest app and you can yep. watch a movie on your phone, right? All right. So I got my jams on. So I got my headset on and I'm looking over and I see that she's watching a movie. Do you know how long it took her to watch this movie? I don't even know what the movie was, but it kind of caught my attention. So I don't know which one it was, but there were three ladies in this movie and it was, I don't know what it was about or whatever. So I look over and she's pressing the thing on her phone that like advances the like 15 seconds. Yeah, there you go. Or, yeah. I think it was 10 seconds, but Something right. Like, right? Yeah. So, okay. She's, so she's rolling through the credits, you know? Okay. 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 Well, okay. You know, so then she starts watching the beginning of the movie. And so I'm looking over and I'm kind of like, well, oh yeah, this looks pretty interesting. Maybe I, I don't know what movie it was, but I was, you know, going to maybe, you know, check it out. Right. And then she skipping forward, skipping forward and skipping forward. And I just, I want to kind of slap her and say, hey, let, 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 slow down, right? right. She, this movie was an hour and 44 minutes. She watched the movie in 16 minutes. I was counting because I was mesmerized by how anybody could watch a movie on their phone, number one, but by fast forwarding. This girl watched six movies on a three hour flight. Then the next one she went to, I recognize it was like one of the Medea movies. Oh, yeah. You know? And forward, forward, forward. Next thing you know, she's, is there like a, another animated Pinocchio movie that's out or came out recently? Maybe. I don't know because don't it looked know. like a, a long no, a Pinocchio was one of them. So that was one of the movies. I finally, I just, you know, and I think she finally got tired of me looking over. And that's when she like turned her <laughs> towards the window. Like, no, no, TC. But, no. But, but here's where the problem was. Okay. So first of all, the way millennials watch movies, and we talk about this all the time, the attention span, major league baseball games, you know, too long. This is why 
I've never seen anybody on their phone watch a movie like this. Have you? You ever seen that? I've done it. You've done it. You're one of these. I, I watch movies on my phone all the how time. How do you watch? How can you follow a movie if you take an hour and 44 minute movie and you watch it in 16 minutes? I'm not that bad, but like, I might skip forward and then skip forward, skip back. So here was the real problem with this. All right, I look over and she's one of these ones that likes to put her feet up on the on the, the on the whatever that whatever is. that thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we're in the front you. row, right? Yep. She's got two different socks on, all right? She's got like a, an ankle black sock on and a, a three-quarter white sock on, right? And she has these Crocs on. Well, the Crocs come off within five minutes that I'm there. This girl stunk. She stank. It was atrocious. Atrocious. And I don't know if she hadn't, you know, haven't bathed in, in a week. I don't know if the feet just stunk or whatever. But yeah, it was like green onions hanging all over the place after Wolfman said. Unbelievable. Now, if you're in this predicament and you're sandwiched in and you got stink pot, speed racer watching the movie next to you, wanting to get in your lays, what do you do? So I would. She had the ratty hair. It was like ratty. It was just like I would very this, nice this you know very nicely stand up, <laughs> turn around, stretch for a second, see that there's twenty four C's open. There wasn't. It was packed flight, man. I packed flight. <sighs> yeah. Just hygiene is important when you're on a plane, as we know. Hygiene is important anytime, anywhere. I was stuck. To miss non-hygiene. And she's a kid. I didn't want to insult her. Trying to be nice. Uh, and to add more misery on it, before we took off, she was talking to one of her friends FaceTiming. And you can imagine what that conversation was like. W- was she a loud talker? Oh, yeah. Loud talker. Both of them on both ends. I was going to say, it's not like the Jerry's... You know, it's not, it's not like yeah. Seinfeld and yeah, yeah. soft talker. Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Loud, F-bombs, everything else going on. And then she actually had the nerve to tell her friend, she goes, okay, she goes, I'm not hearing this no more. She goes, you're going to talk all that ghetto. Bye-bye. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and then she proceeded to get right into the movie train. Stunk. Hor- horrific smell. That's that's one of the bad parts about flying. Can you imagine if that was on an international flight? Well, it wouldn't you know be in that situation? International flight, you have a little more, you know, spaciousness, that sort of thing. But anyway, there you go, Numbchuck. There's my flight horror story. Anything good happened today? 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 To, I, I don't know. I, no, today. Besides, no, today. Like I said, prep. I tried. I just tried to get as much sleep as I could because I felt I was going to be dragging a little bit. But uh, no, busy day. Uh, you know, got back into my routine. Went to Freddy's. Uh, you know, had my had my my dog today, and uh, got a chance to watch the little Astros. They win, so I, I'm back. I'm ready. I'm ready to rock and roll. There you go. There's my Houston trip for you. That's a very quick hit. <laughs> baseball, trip. basketball, great food, uh, steaks, burgers. Um, what else did I have? Oh, the pork chop. The outstanding yeah. pork chop. Yeah, polenta, which uh, never really been a big fan of the polenta as a little side. Did you find a good Mexican joint down there? 
I did not because not yet. Well, no, because I'm you know. Oh, in my barbecue. Your barbecue. My, my barbecue. Your barbecue. Oh, and I had to get in my papa's barbecue, which was outstanding. You know, with the brisket and the pulled pork, very peppery too. Peppery with the ribs. So shout out to all those guys. Appreciate it. All right, on today's show, Pete Gillen's going to join us. All right. We're going to wrap up uh, the final four in the championship game with our good friend Pete Gillen. Scott Savloff is going to join us because you know what tomorrow is? The Masters. Our golf guru, our PGA production guru, our television producer, Scott Savloff, will join us uh, live from Augusta. Chuck Esposito over at Red Rock. We talked to him about the betting aspects of the Final Four in the championship game, Major League Baseball, and a whole lot more. So, yes, we got all that happening. We are back. It's a wild Wednesday. There you go. $5 shake. Yeah. How about an $8.99 float without real ice cream? C'est la vie, c'est the old folks. Culture show you never can tell. Now, more from your favorite sports radio physician. Oh, for crying out loud. The doctor. You watch your language on the air. T.C. Martin. Glad to be back from Houston. And don't forget, this Friday, back at the Westgate of Las Vegas, our Friday home at the world-famous Superbook. Come on by, see the show live. Jay Schrader in the house. Get ready for a little NFL draft. We'll talk to Jay about a little Major League Baseball and a whole lot more. Marco D'Angelo and others. Back at the Westgate on Friday, our Friday home. And uh, as we recap, maybe for the final time here, Get some final thoughts about the Final Four and the championship game in Houston. Our very good friend from CBS Sports, who has been running just as much as as I have been, but he left the Final Four a little bit early. He, you know, he he wanted to get back home. He wanted to to rest and you know relax a little bit because you know he's a man uh, as we know. Uh, he, CBS and other things that he does. Uh, hopefully that uh, he gets a little bit of an off season now. So before we. You know, let him go for a while. We have to visit with our good friend, the head coach, Pete Gillen, one more time. Pete, what is going on, my friend? Hey, Simon, great to be with you. I pulled an oblique muscle in the final four, so I had to get home. I don't know where my oblique is, but I pulled it. So I got home a little early, but uh, had a great time in Houston for three days. Pete, it's uh, at least you didn't pull a groin. All right, we don't want you to pull a groin. <laughs> no, I did not. I did not. Okay. So... Let's talk a little bit about your trip to Houston. Uh, let me let me hear uh, the the sights and sounds for you. I know you had some uh, CBS duties that that you were doing, but you did uh, get out of there uh, a little bit early. Uh, I believe it was Sunday, right? Yep. So let, let, let's hear about it. Yep. What I did, I got in there Thursday afternoon. TC went in there, talked to my producer, and then on Friday I went to the uh, convention center. I, I gave a clinic from eleven till about. A little before 12, 1145, 1150, uh, to the NABC International Wait, Committee. Now, was that about it's World War II or American history, Pete? Yeah. What was that about? Yeah, it was uh, a little bit, you know, uh, when Marco Polo started going around. <laughs> it was a while ago. You know what I mean? When, when he went to different continents. So I was talking about the continents that Marco and I traveled to. Oh. Uh, and uh, so we, I spoke about man offense. I had uh, Jimmy Barron Jr., was my uh, demonstrator, and we had some other guys, that, some good guys came from all over, you know, from uh, Las Vegas. They helped us. We a little bit man offense, and uh, 
about 10 people fell asleep, three left, a couple of people, you know, put up signs, get rid of me, you know, but uh, I hung in there. I finished about 200 people, and I got a little award afterward, honestly, uh, uh, from the NABC International Committee Lifetime Achievement Award, which is very humbling. So it was a nice nice morning there uh, at the convention center. Um, so then, then that night I had to go study. I had uh, to do a three-point shooting contest and a dunk contest for top high school kids, uh, you know, in, uh, you know, in, uh, on TV, on CBS Sports Network. They had that contest, young men and women going to Michigan, Michigan State, uh, UCLA, Duke, et cetera. So it was fun. I did that for a couple hours. Uh, and then the next day, Saturday, I went to visit. I, I really like the military. I, I'm a big fan of military. So a friend of mine is in an uh, organization called uh, Soldiers to the sidelines, ex-soldiers that has finished their career in the military. They want to be a coach. So I went to speak at uh, a place there, the Rustic, right next to the convention center. I'm sure you've been there and had about 24 beers yourself. You were there and uh, uh, talked to them about, we need good people in the, in the, in the coaching profession. We need, the, you know, the military people. Most of them really know about teamwork, integrity, loyalty, honesty. So we talked a little bit about that and uh, visited with them. I put some rolls in my pockets, and I left, and then some food. And uh, then I visited a friend of mine, a new coach at Manhattan College, named John Gallagher. was with him for a little bit at the Rustic. And then I went to visit another friend of mine, Lanny Van Eman, who's a coach who used to coach uh, at uh, many years ago at uh, Oregon State, Wichita State, and West Virginia. So that was it. I touched bases and uh, watched a game at the hotel, my, my hotel. And uh, that was it. Came home on, on Sunday. So it was a quick in and out, but uh, I was thrilled to be there. All right. And the best meal that you had, Pete? What was the best meal? Uh, I went to electric chair. What time was my Friday night? I had, uh, I had a toss salad and some, uh, a plankton and some fungi because my budget's kind of low. So I couldn't <laughs> eat the good food. <laughs> what do you mean? You're on CBS's dime. Are you kidding me? Do I need to talk to somebody over there? Increase Pete Gillen's yeah, uh, food budget? No, I got no juice. My contract goes from AM. The PM, so I, you know, I don't want to get anybody upset. So I, uh, I, uh, wait, know, wait, I, no, that, I, it sounds like that's an AM PM budget, you know, like the, the gas station, the AM PM, where you get that hot dog that's been on that little that uh, roller for about uh, uh, thirty six hours. <laughs> I know. Then you got to go get a stomach pump and get, the, get pump your stomach out after the poison you put in you for that that stuff that's there for six weeks. But yeah, no, so I, I had a good meal there. I'm trying to think. Uh, where else uh, we went? No, that was, that was about it. Uh, the rustic, we had a good meal at the rustic, you know, right next to the convention center. You know, nothing fancy. But uh, I'm kind of a low-budget guy. I don't try to get too fancy with the big meals. I go to Vegas. That's another story. Forget about it. You know, we go there. But <sighs> maybe, maybe uh, CBS uh, listened to Rex Chapman. Maybe they think you're dead, Pete. So that way, <laughs> you're getting no budget. <laughs> I- <laughs> exactly. Yeah, a lot of people when I do games, they think I'm dead. So uh, Rex Chapman might have gone on to something. He might have been a little precocious, but uh, yeah, no, I, I'm, uh, I'm you know I'm living on memories. Most of them are bad, but I'm hanging in there. <laughs> Pete Gillen is the best, ladies and gentlemen. He's fantastic, and if, uh, you've had to hear Pete, uh, you know, doing the games. Uh, fantastic. Uh, the old coach at Virginia, Xavier, Providence, and. Uh, 
the the guy that has so much self-deprecating humor, I, I can't stand it. But uh, uh, you are you are a cra- you are a crack up, Pete. That's all I got to say. You're a classic. Our, our listeners love uh, hearing your stories. But uh, one of the most successful coaches. And congratulations on the award. In all seriousness, congratulations on getting that lifetime achievement award. Well deserved. Well, thank you, TC. It was a humbling uh, experience, but. Uh, the, you know, international committee, but I was very humbled by it and uh, certainly appreciate it. We had a good crowd, about 200 people at the clinic, so it was nice. It was fun and uh, try to get back to the game. I know you love the game. You get back to the game and uh, we both try to do the same thing in different ways. So, Pete, dispel the argument that we hear a lot of fans talking about, about this not being a good tournament because you didn't have the blue blood teams. I mean, for me, this is one of the most exciting tournaments, and it doesn't matter who's in it, because, A, you have to be a fantastic team to get to the tournament, and anybody that wins, uh, you know, two, three to get, you know, into the Sweet 16, and then a team like UConn who, who wins six, especially the way they did in dominating fashion, uh, I, I thought it was a fantastic tournament, but kind of dispel that argument that is out there, Pete, about you know not being a good tournament because you had a four seed win it all, you had two fives there, and you had a nine seed instead of number one seeds. Well, it's, it's a great question, TC. The thing was, there was no great team this year. There was no super dominating team or teams. There was some bunch of very good teams, but I agree with you. I mean, I loved underdog. I loved to see the Fairleigh Dickinson upset Purdue. I felt badly for Matt Painter, who I have great respect, was a great coach at Purdue, the number one seed. As you know, none of the number one seeds made it, right? Alabama didn't make it. Purdue got beat, as we just mentioned, by Fairleigh Dickinson, Houston, and Kansas. So I think it's exciting, the underdog. I'm sure the sponsors and some of the silk suitors might want to, you know, the, the same, the Kentuckys and the UCLA's and the Gonzaga's and everybody else and Ohio State, Michigan State, but I, I like the underdog. And, and UConn is one of the old blue bloods. It's their fifth national title since 1999. And as you know, they were in a top 25 team preseason. You know why, TC? Because they lost their leading scorer, point guard, R.J. Cole, graduated, all right? And they uh, lost 45 points from their team, 45 of their 75. So more than half of their points, the guys moved on, graduated, and, and went to Pro Bowl. So they came from, you know, kind of nowhere, started off 14-0, and as you know, got into the Big East and had some battles, wound up 14-6 and in a conference. So I love the underdog. Some people might, you know, it depends what type of chocolate you want. You know, you get 32 choices but uh, or ice cream. Mm-hmm. I forget it was one of those. And, uh, you know, what you want, I love to see the underdog win. You had a chalk in there, UConn, and Florida Atlantic. What a great story that is. You know, so uh, I disagree. I, I like to see the underdog win because the, the big guys – get all the, you know, the bonuses, they get all the accolades, all the TV exposure. Give the little dog a chance. I agree. Pete Gillen uh, joins as the former head coach and does a fantastic job on the CBS Sports Network uh, and also uh, CBS during the college basketball season. Pete, there's more parity each and every year, it seems like, you know, especially this year. And we've talked about the low seeds making their way, you know, through the tournament and again, you know, getting to the Final Four. In your opinion, why has that gap shrunk between the national powerhouses, the Blue Bloods, like we've talked about, and the small programs? Well, a lot of it is now that the transfers, transfer portal last couple of years, and, you know, young players, they don't want to sit on the bench that much at UCLA or at Duke or North Carolina, you know, or Florida. So they want to go play. So I think that's part of it. A lot of great coaches in the country now and studying. So uh, I love it more parity. I think it's more balanced now and 
you know, kids want to play. They transfer. They're not happy. And they, they, that happens, as you know, when they're, they're young, when they're in junior high. If they're not playing much or getting as much attention or recognition, they change junior high. Get to high school, they're not happy. They're not winning enough and not getting enough shots. They transfer. Junior college, they transfer. Right now, a lot of transfers, and, they, you know, they're instead of sitting on the bench at UCLA or Duke or North Carolina, they're playing, you know, at, at lesser schools. So uh, I think it's great, the parity, you know, the balance. And the, I, I think it's great for the sport. I mean, the good teams are always going to be good. Purdue's always going to be good. And, you know, Houston will be good. You know, Kelvin, Sam, Kansas, and Duke. But it's great to see the little guy once in a while get their day on Broadway, get a little bit of sunshine. Let's talk a little bit about from the coaching perspective and talk about Dan Hurley, uh, the coach at UConn. Uh, he took over a program that was kind of dead in the water. I know that seems kind of strange to say, but uh, you know, after Kevin Ollie left, and, and Dan Hurley had had a couple jobs at smaller programs before this, uh, he comes from a coaching family, as you well know. I mean, his dad's one of the legendary high school coaches of all time. I feel that you're a good guy that can speak on this, Pete. You're an East Coast guy through and through, and I know you know the Hurley family. Talk a little bit about Dan Hurley, that family, and what you saw him do with the Connecticut program, because I know you called many of their games this year. Yeah, that's a good question, TC. As you mentioned, I know uh, you know Dan Hurley very well, a long time. Bob Hurley, I might have mentioned it before on our show, I tried to hire him. My first head coaching job at Xavier, right. Cincinnati, 1985. I tried to hire Bob Hurley. He's my first because I had helped recruit some of his players to Notre Dame and to Villanova, et cetera. So I know Bob, coached against him in high school. And uh, so uh, I know him a long time, and I know Dan and, and Bob and uh, – you know, Dan, you know, Bobby Hurley Sr. thought about coming, but his two sons wanted to stay, which is natural. Kids don't want to leave New Jersey to come to Virginia, uh, to, to Cincinnati, rather. So, um, But Dan's a great story. His dad is a Hall of Fame coach, Naismith Hall of Fame. His older brother played at Duke, one of the premier programs in the country, the Blue Bloods, top five program in the country, two national titles, all right? So unbelievable. How, how do you grow up in that trait, right? That's, that's intimidating when you have two super, super successful things. So he had some bumps in the road. I coached against him when I was at Providence. Uh, he was at Seton Hall. And, then, uh, you know, a, a little you know, story there. We, we played them. And so he's come a long way. I'm very happy for him. He's a hard worker. He's got his dad's toughness and grit. He's got his mom's, you know, personality and, and charm. So, uh, He's come a long way, so I'm really happy for Dan. He's a good guy. I saw his team practice this year when you were sleeping. I was working in October, you know, saw him practice, and I, I thought they'd be good, but I didn't think they'd be the national title. But to answer your question, Dan's just a hard worker, you know, and he did an unbelievable job with the team this year. And they lost so many guys from last year that they came back. So uh, it's a credit to hard work, persistence, courage, toughness, grit, you know what I mean, and, and believing in yourself. And, and Dan Hurley, I'm really happy for him. Uh, you know, I was rooting also for both of them. I, I didn't have a, a dog in a race because I, I love Brian Dutcher. We do some San Diego State games, as you know, during the year. I uh, did a couple of their games this year. I did two of their games uh, this year at New Mexico and at Utah State. <laughs> so I was rooting for both of them. So, But I'm happy for Dan Hurley. <laughs> what about the team you were most impressed with the, this, this tournament, uh, Pete? Well, Another good question. I have to say Florida Atlantic. Yeah. I mean, yep. gutty little guys. I mean, beating, you know, top teams coming in, knocking down, you know, and knocking down shots and, you know, beating the team Kansas State and people like that. I, I couldn't believe it. But uh, gritty guys, 
and you know good spacing and uh, you know they, they shoot the threes and toughness and you know Dusty May is a great story fifth year there you know and you know when he got the job he almost you know he hadn't visited he got the job I guess you know on Zoom he came and visited the school and said oh my God what, what did I get myself into so he was a little nervous but he worked hard and uh, I'm very happy for him so that's to me. You know, come from Conference USA, as you know, never got a team into the Elite Eight, never got a team into the Final Four. So that's a one, there are so many great stories. How about Bailey Dickinson, right? Last year, they were 4-23, right? 4-23. This year, a new coach, a friend of mine, Tobin Anderson, right? Got the job, boom, boom. They get into the tournament. They win, right, play-in game. And they play Purdue where they beat the number one seed with the player of the year, Zach Eady, right? He got his 20, but everybody else got donuts. Hmm. So, uh uh, you know, so, so many great stories, TC, you know, this year. But I think Florida Atlantic to me is, you know, is a premier story coming. You know, uh, people didn't know where they were. They're there in Florida. They're near the Atlantic, but they didn't know anything about them. Yeah. So great story. I, I agree with you. And I, I love the UConn team. I love the depth. I, I, I just love the way they play, the way they were coached. Uh, you know, unfazed, but that Florida Atlantic team, Pete, I really was rooting for them to get to that championship game. And what a shame because they really deserved to be in that championship game the way they, you know, were leading San Diego State by 14. And then, you know, just the yeah. last couple of possessions didn't go their way, but, but they could score. Uh, they were a legitimate team, a fun team to watch. You mentioned Dusty May. Now, you know that he's going to get offers, but there's not a lot of jobs that are open right now uh, in other college programs. A lot of these got swooped up you know, while they were making uh, Florida Atlantic was making their deep run in, into the tournament here. But we've seen coaches who leave programs uh, like this that you know come out of nowhere, so to speak, uh, where they – you know, don't get a chance to build off of that Cinderella success. And the schools that come to mind are like Florida Gulf Coast. They were great. Then Andy Infield leaves, goes to USC. They were never the same. You could even make that argument about George Mason way back when, when Jim Laranega left for the, the Miami job. Butler, after Brad Stevens left, some decent success. I think uh, Virginia Commonwealth, VCU is another one after Shaka Smart left. Still have not been able to sustain that success. Do you think... That FAU can sustain the success, uh, especially if Dusty May leaves for greener pastures. Well, they got to get the right guy, you know, the right leader. Uh, uh, it's, it's difficult. You made some great examples, TC. So it's tough because those schools you mentioned maybe didn't have all the facilities and all the bells and whistles, you know, that the big schools have, the Power Five schools. Uh, the thing is, it's, it's all about you know having the support. The academic support, the facilities, the money for this, you know, the assistance, the head coach, the recruiting budget. So, uh, you know, I think it'd be a challenge to do that. You know what I mean? But, uh, you know, time will tell. Hopefully Dusty may stay for a while, but I can't blame him. I mean, coaches want to coach at the highest level and get paid well, right? So he can take care of his family and his children and grandchildren down the road. So, uh, you can't blame coaches for leaving, you know, uh, but, uh, it, it's tough to sustain it you know, when you're a, a so-called middle-range school. These are all great schools you mentioned, but they didn't have the, the money, the facilities, and, and all the, the backing. So, it, you know, it, it's, it's all you need help. You need help. You can't do it by yourself. No, no man's an island. You need the academic support. Like, you got a, a great 
radio show, but you got some great Americans there helping you, right? So uh, that's important. Yeah, I, I I never went into the overseas transfer portal uh, for my crew over here. You're right. I, I I kept them Americanized, very very much so. You know, I don't have any. You know, I got a couple seven footers or two, but you know they're Americans. They're good footwork. You know, got some guys can uh, you know stroke the J from the outside. I'm a defensive coach, you know, like you, Pete. You know, I you, know, you got to get down and dirty, baby. You got to slap the ground two hands with the well, on the wood there, and got to play some D, man. You got to lock up, baby. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. My players thought defense was an underarm spray. Yeah. No, it's not something you spray under your arm. You and, and Pete, That's- I'll get my crew, and I'll go gimmick on you too, man. I'll go diamond and one, okay? Not so much for the box. Well, I'll go triangle and two. I'll go diamond and one on you anytime, brother. Well, if you do that, I'm going to go get a beer. I will have no answers <laughs> for that. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> Pete, it's the game, of course. It's always great, man. I appreciate you. What is your off season going to be looking like now? What, what do you got going? Nothing fancy. I'm just catching up on my paper, my receipts. I was doing some of them today, you know, get my expenses, you know, so make sure, you know, my, my credit card bill doesn't blow up, you know, from uh, the trip. So I'm doing my expenses. Uh, and I do a couple of clinics and stuff. I'm going to do one at North Carolina Wesleyan. I'm going to go down there, you know, in May, little coach's clinic. So and that's about it. And, uh, Spend a little time with my family, you know, uh, be good. And uh, we have a little place up in Massachusetts, Cape Cod. Go up there and, you know, try to dodge, the, you know, the sharks. Make sure they, they don't come after my mug. But uh, just kind of recuperate a little bit. Six months, it's a lot of traveling. You know, uh, one one trip I had, uh, you know, I was at San Francisco for a game. You're a good buddy, right, out yep. there, the big fella, yep. right? It's a tremendous guy, a wonderful player, you know, playing for the Knicks. Did an unbelievable job. Was with him, right? And then... I went to New Mexico, and then I went to Wyoming, you know, so I'm a little punchy. You know what I mean? You go from San Francisco to New Mexico to Wyoming, so I'm trying to recalibrate, you know, but, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, just try to get some rest, work out a little bit, do some push-ups on a picket fence, get my strength back. Vegas, Pete. Vegas in the offseason. A Vegas weekend's got to be coming, man. Let's go. I love it. If I come out, I'm going to call you. We'll go crazy. There you we'll, go. We'll, we'll dance. You know, we'll dance and go crazy. But yeah, I love Vegas. Hopefully, hopefully, I get a game there next year. I'm still working, right? Hopefully, and we we can hang out. There you, you know, go. We'll hang together. We'll hang separately. You know, either way. We'll party like it's 1999, Pete. There you go. Well, let's go crazy. There you go. My friend, I appreciate it as always. Uh, great stuff. Fantastic. I appreciate the friendship, and we'll talk to you real soon. Great. Thanks for having me on, PC. You're, you're a great guy. Thank you. There you go. Pete Gillen, my man. There he is, the former head coach at Virginia, Xavier Providence, and uh, does a fantastic job with CBS. All right, we come back. We'll talk some Masters. Go out to Augusta. Check Esposito will join us, too. The sportsbook side out at Red Rock. It's a wild Wednesday. Feeling good. Who's tired? Huh? Who needs a vitamin B12 shot? I don't know. I just need some mango. Me. There you go. Jeremy Pena has set the stage here for Jordan Alvarez, one of the most feared hitters in the game. Representing the winning run for the Astros. And Alvarez belts it! Deep to right field! Gets it goodbye! Unbelievable! The Astros a walk-off win! Jordan Alvarez, a walk-off three-run homer! And the Astros stun the Mariners in game one of the division series! Incredible! Entertainment capital of the world. Center cut curveball, but it was nasty. It's the TC Martin Show. Verlander deals a 3-2. And a cold strike three. TC Martin. And now the Astros.
Astros with a runner at first for Alex Bregman. And Bregman sends one deep in the left center field. This is way back. And it is gone. Alex Bregman gets the Astros off the deck. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. Verlander with strikeout number nine. The doctor is now in. Uh, Yes, a great time in Houston. Final four championship game. Astros getting their rings, a celebration. Fantastic weekend. Appreciate everybody for following me all along with that. And also the guys who uh, took over for me on uh, Friday. Scott uh, Spritzer, Marco D'Angelo for filling in. Brian Feldman, a fantastic job yesterday. I appreciate him as well, too. And then us doing the show on Monday. And uh, our guest uh, from Houston, Mattress Mac, Lon Kruger, just to, to name a few. Great stuff there as well, too. Mike DeCourcy from the Sporting News, all those guys. And, uh, yes, uh, you can go to the website, uh, check out our recap of all that as well, too. And also constructing a Final Four page will be up uh, in the next couple days as well, too. Got a chance to spend uh, time with Gene Cady, Kelvin Sampson, uh, Bill Walton, a lot of others. Uh, so great trip down in H-Town. All right, hour number two of the show. I want to thank Pete Gillen for joining us in hour number one. That'll be up on the website a little bit later on as well, too. For all your needs, go to tcmartinshow.com, the current interview page, past interviews, and again, our uh, college basketball season recap up on there as well in our interview last week regarding baseball with uh, two-time World Series champ, five-time All-Star Steve Sachs as well, too. All right, back at it here in Vegas uh, today. And uh, more great stuff uh, on the way this week. And don't forget, we'll be at the Westgate Las Vegas inside the world-famous Superbook, our Friday home. Be back there on Friday. The quarterback, one of our quarterbacks, Jay Schrader, will be joining me on Friday along with Marco D'Angelo, along with uh, Jay Cornegay and John Murray from the Westgate, just to name a few. All right, we continue on. We turn the page on college basketball, NBA playoffs right around the corner. Major League Baseball, we are now a week into the season. So, of course, a lot of baseball uh, will come our way here. But as we lower our voice, because we know we must do that at this time, because the Masters is upon us. That's right. Practice rounds have been going on the last couple days. So I can raise my voice for that. But then we have to quell our voice a little bit as we get ready for teeing off tomorrow morning. I believe what did 618 in the morning. Jim Nance, by the way. You know, Jim Nance was on the court there after the game as well, too, being interviewed because he's from Houston, his last final four. And I imagine, you know, he's gonna he's gonna be doing the Masters, probably maybe his last event for CBS. So it's good seeing Jim Nance there his, as well, too. His final send-off was hard to listen to. It was, was it? Yes. Was it? You, okay. You take a, when you get a chance, like go back and listen. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. See, now I'm kind of regretting I didn't get a chance to say goodbye or talk to him a little bit. But, you know, while I was on the court there, he was he had a throng of people that are around him interviewing him. And like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Media giving him uh, his his time there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so we got to talk to our good friend, Scott Savloff, of course, uh, our great television producer of so many PGA Tour events. He is our golf guru. What is going on, <laughs> my friend? Well, let me tell you first. A good friend of mine who is the most talented broadcaster, Jimmy Nance, will be doing golf. He's just not doing NCAA basketball. There it is. He's doing football and he's doing golf. And that guy is so freaking talented. Say, how talented is he, Scott? 
How talented is he, Scott? So funny you should ask, TC. But he, I, I will always text him during every major event, right? Does Super Bowl, does NCAA until now, the Masters. You could write him a note during, like, they're coming up the 18th hole for the, for the win. And you go, great call, Jimmy, well done. And he's writing you back as he's calling the action. <laughs> I've never seen anybody that talented that can actually multitask to send you. Thank you so much. You're always such a good supportive friend. And you're like, dude, how did you just make that call and do that on time and multitask? Because I'm not the only one writing him. He is just as nice. And people think he's sappy. He's even nicer in person than he is on air. I could see that. That's a, and it's what, just do, an amazing so, person. So you may know the answer to this, then, and Scott, I'd be curious to ask him if uh, get Jim on the show. I'd love to. Is why is he stepping aside for college basketball, uh, but continuing to do the NFL and, and the golf? I think he wants to do fifty years of golf, and he's just paid a ton of cabbage to do football. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just making so much bank on calling the action in football that he can't, you know, you're just not going to let it go. Mm-hmm. And in golf, he just is so talented. It, it's it's like he's breathing it when he is calling that action. And I've seen, you know, producing events, and I hire these people to do my made-for-TVs. No one has that skill set. You know, he just walks in, commands the room, and he's just, you feel safe. And that's, you know, there's only one Jim Nance, period. And, uh, but, but you, you mentioned Augusta. It is the Disneyland for sports people. That's, that's what it is. It's true. You're right. You, you show up there. Look, when you're coming out of the bathroom, they even ask you, how was that experience? (laughs) They have like attendance. They point out the, the toilets that are open for you. And you're like, whoa, that's pretty intense. And then when you come out, they hand you paper towels. Have a great day. How was your experience? That's, that's, that's a little really TMI, good. Scott. A little TMI for for yeah, the porta potties. You know? Hey, look. You know, uh, our, our seven foot friend once said, "Once you hit fifty, you got to stop by every toilet you can." <laughs> but maybe that's just him. Is there any salsa dancing that's going on before or after that that toilet? Look, I don't want to know what he's doing in there. I just know that he says every time he goes by it after he hits 50, he stops. Uh, But at at Augusta, it's the the white glove treatment. (laughs) You know, I'm telling you, I've never been to a place where people, adults, run out of the parking lot into a facility, check your phone, and run to go get a spot to stand. mm -hmm. I've never seen that before. Yeah, for about, for about 12 straight hours, too. Yeah, yeah and it's like they're the most well-dressed. you know, well dressed. It's, it's crazy. You act out of line. Don't just tap you on the shoulder like they've got these eyes out there. Tap you on your shoulder. Excuse me. Uh, if we see you do that again, we're just going to have to ask you to leave. <laughs> and you're like, whoa, where did you see me do that? You know, kind of thing. I've seen people... Because they don't serve hard liquor on the course, right? That's a misnomer. They don't do that. No one's sipping on mint juleps, which most people would assume out there. No, it's very, um, you're on your best behavior. Yeah, very professional setting, right? 
It really is. And people are really kind to each other, which is fantastic. But it is the modern-day Studio 54. Wow. Meaning that when you go to that, there's a white picket fence, there's a big tree and a clubhouse, and an area where all the the people you want to mingle with are inside that space. So it's kind of like the uh, velvet ropes of Studio 54. You want to go to Augusta, you want that experience. You want to get inside the ropes. You want to feel like you're, uh, you're, you're out there having a, you know, a VIP time. Uh, and there's no other place like it. I, I can't think of one other place where people just race in and then you're looking to see who you're standing next to. And it's just an amazing experience. I was going to ask you if that is the gold medal standard. Where would the silver? Who 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 would get the silver medal? Who would be the next best experience? What course? Uh, I'd have to, you know, go into the 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 Open, right? The British Open, yes, with the RNA. St Andrews would have to be that experience because you know you think oh the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach, but because they have the AT and T there. It, it kind of takes away right. the allure. Right. But when you have at St. Andrews to go to the, to the British Open at St. Andrews, that's the home of golf. That's a pretty overwhelming experience. In the States, I would have to think the U.S. Open just sets the, the standard for the, the best event to be at mm. other than the Masters. Mm. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's just usually at a phenomenal golf course. Hard, you're, but it's, you know, again, well behaved crowd. You're not getting out of line unless you're in New York at that page. Then, then you could get a little, a little wacky, but, but otherwise at the U.S. Open, it's usually very refined crowd. Everyone is, you know, on their best behavior. So I would say very much like Augusta, but there's only one Augusta. Scott Savloff joins us as we talk uh, the Masters, which gets underway tomorrow. Scott, we'll, we'll get into the actual tournament itself. But before we do that, uh, the big news, obviously, is the continued rift, so to speak, between the PGA Tour and the Live Tour. Uh, Fred Ridley, Augusta's National Golf Club chairman, uh, confirmed that uh, the Live Golf CEO and Commissioner Greg Norman uh, not invited to attend um, any of the festivities there at uh, the Masters this weekend. Uh, Ridley had said the decision was made to ensure the attention was focused on the tournament and the players competing in the Masters rather than you know hearing about uh, Live Golf's uh, you know ongoing rift you know with the tour. Uh, right thing or wrong thing to do here if. If you're the masters. Well, first of all, if he could blame Nick Faldo or he could, or he could maybe blame the, the, the collar on his shark shirt for choking back in the nineties when he had that lead right. and he choked up because if he wins the Masters, he's there, right? Yeah. He's there. Yeah. So he's only got himself to blame. He has, he can't blame Fred really. He's the choke artist. Mm. Right. Um, I think it's the right thing to do. I think Greg, uh, would only come there with one thing in mind. He has no other reason to be there. It, it, tour players that are not in that field, you're, you're not walking around that 
that tournament. You may be at home watching it like us, but Greg would be there to be divisive. That's his personality. And uh, there's no uh, reason to take anything away from the action of the competition. And so I think Fred Ridley did the right thing. I also think he did the correct thing by having the top players, past winners, past champions. Um, you know, how fun would it have been to be at that dinner last night? Mickelson's there, Bubba Watson's there, and all these guys, you know, are, are staring at each other. Uh, uh, um, DJ is there. I mean, that would have been pretty interesting to watch, the interaction. But I have to believe a lot of these guys are dear friends from years ago. And unlike, you know, the rift between Sergio and Rory, a lot of these guys kind of have been friends for 25 years since they were children. Um, and they're just going to see each other and not make a big deal of it and just go out there and try to step on each other's throats playing golf. There are actually 18 live golf players competing in the Masters. Uh, Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed, Bubba Watson, Phil Mickelson, Sergio Garcia, just to, to name a few here. How much of a distraction is this going to be? And how much of this is going to get talked about? Uh, I would imagine, as far as CBS goes and the national broadcast, they're not going to allude to this at all. But just the media in general, how how, how much live are we going to be hearing uh, during the course of the Masters? It depends who's... If, if the live guys make a charge for the leader board, right? Say that of the top five guys, three are from the live tour, then, then it's going to have to be addressed by CBS. And, and, you know, it's going to be a discussion between Augusta, Fred Ridley and CBS and, and how they address this kind of thing, because they don't want it to be a controversy and they're not looking to make it a spectacle. That's not the Augusta way. Um, however, if there are no live guys on the leaderboard, uh, I, I can't imagine them talking about it one iota, not, not even a sniff of live tour. Mm. You know, I mean, if you, if you look at it, we've talked about it a long time ago when, when the first thing happened, live television deal, right? No one watches that. Yeah. It, it's like, it's must not see TV. Yeah. Non-existent really. I mean, where do you even Non-existent. find it? You know? so, yeah. so you really haven't seen these guys in a long time. You know, Smith, you, you haven't seen Brooks Kepka. You see his wife, but you don't see Brooks Kepka. And you know, it's, it, it's something I want to see the competition. I want to see these guys, you know, the best players in the world. That to me, is what golf is missing. I, I think PJ Tour, as great as that brand is, I think it's suffering without having a lot of these really big names who are real good competitors in big tournaments. You know, it's the same cast of characters. So, it, you know, you're not going to want to see the leaderboard from the Honda Classic leading Augusta. Right. You want you want the best names, you know what I mean? Because it reflects you know, like watching baseball, you're reflecting on what you watch when you were a little kid. In golf, you are thinking about the leaderboard. Yeah, you want your name on that leaderboard. If you play golf, you want your name on that leaderboard with everybody. But it's, it's part of the allure of Augusta is that fantasy. And uh, they need to have big names on that leaderboard. You know, to, that, you know, to that point, Scott, it seems like 
there are surprises every week. I mean, you mentioned the Honda class, uh, others as well too. As far as, you know, who, who's winning these tournaments, who's competing for these tournaments. And it seems, especially for maybe the casual golf fans, like I've never heard of that guy, but look, he's, you know, on the verge of, of winning this tournament or he's, you know, up on the leaderboard. Is it just the, the nature of more balance now? Uh, and is there, is there really much difference between these individual players nowadays? I mean, what, what is it? Why are we seeing so many guys come out of nowhere? Um, that we've never heard of before, either winning tournaments or competing? I think it's a diluted field. I, I honestly believe that when these guys, if you look at the British Open last year, which was the last real major before the Live Tour took off, that all those guys pushed each other. Um, when you got DJ and he's putting well, he's creeping right down your back. You know he's getting, at any time he can throw number at you and beat you because he's long off the tee, and when he's rolling the putt, he can beat you. Smith can beat you. His short game is incredible. He's got the wildest hairdo, you know. He's got the mullet going. You, you're fearing the mullet. You know what I mean? You've got guys who bring out the best in the other big names, and that's what I think is missing right now. On the PGA Tour, you have a lot of good young players. But what's the difference between that and, and watching, you know, um, the, the Corn Ferry Tour right now? Um, you know what I mean? There's, you got Scotty Scheffler. I mean, the guy's outstanding. He's a great guy to root for, he, you know. Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas, these are great players. But they need the other guys to push them. They need the other motivation to really see – them choke and then rise to the occasion and, and capture the imagination of the crowd. Uh, I'm a big believer that that diluted marketplace because of those vacancies have been, you know, kind of infiltrated with a lot of really good young players, but, but nothing where you go, wow, what a personality that you're not seeing, you, you know, Max Homa, maybe, but no one else where you're going, wow, what a personality. Most of the rest of the guys, you, you think they're they're junior accountants, and you're going to do your taxes. How much, when you're handicapping this tournament, do you factor in the familiarity with the course and how well a player plays this course at Augusta? Well, they've made a lot of changes over the last 20 years, right? Because of Tiger, they really stepped up their game and make it longer, harder. Uh, you cannot find a blade of grass out of whack at this golf course. So the players have no excuses other than themselves hitting to the zone where they should be. They know where they should be hitting it to, and they know where – the, the approach shot should be to be below the hole. You're above the hole here. Good luck. Uh, because those, you know, what you can't tell watching the television are the severe undulations of those greens. That's the great defender of Augusta National are the greens. Because if you're on the wrong side of the hole, it's real easy to three or four putt. And, and, and the average person, good luck. You know, when they're rolling 12 or 13 at Augusta, the approach shots, all of these things are, they need to know where they're doing it. Uh, they, they go out there on their practice rounds. Their caddies are marking 
exactly where they should be on all four rounds, but it's execution. And uh, let me tell you, it's it's an amazing thing. Here, here's the the one thing that that I'd like the viewers to, when you're watching on television, try to see if you see a squirrel or a rabbit. <laughs> you will not see a squirrel or a rabbit at that golf course. How about that? Now, why is that? I mean, are you telling me that you've got you know Bill Murray on patrol there? I mean, he's scouting around no. and he's trying to you know you know blow I, up these little I varmints. Found out. What's the deal? No, I I asked the question last time I was there. I was at the the, the last Masters I went to was a couple of years ago when 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 you had to wear your mask. Yeah, because it was amazing. Because there's only like ten thousand people there, so you had your own fairway. You know, you're walking around. It was great, uh, and you can actually see the action. Uh, and so I asked, I asked one of the members, and I said, "What? What's the story? How come there's no squirrels and rabbits around here? You would think, you know, with all the wooded area." And uh, and so a friend of that member said, "No, at night they have hawks that they let out and basically patrol the grounds, and then they retrieve the hawks. You know, and it's like feeding time for these hawks. How about that?" <laughs> Scott Savlov, bring, he's bringing us, you know, first of all, he's bringing us the, the toilet etiquette, uh, you know, oh, this, this behind the scenes well, stuff, you'll never find no, it. No, no, that, that's Bill Cartwright 101, but, but keep going. It's true. And then, you know, we're finding out that you're not going to find a squirrel or rabbit anywhere. Let's go to our live on the spot reporter, Scott Savlov, who's in Augusta right now. Exactly. You know, be very, very quiet. I'm hunting wabbits. <laughs> exactly. There it is. It's exactly what it is. If you start, it's like I remember the next day I'm wherever I was walking, I'm looking for rabbits and, and squirrels or something. Nothing. You don't even see like if there's a if you drop like a cup, first of all, people are weird about your plastic cups there <laughs> because they collect them. Right, it has Augustus logo. So, oh, yes. if you like go to throw away your cup, someone races over to the trash can and takes it, and you're like, "Whoa, that's weird." Souvenir time. I mean, that's like George Costanza, you know, going after uh, the eclair that he dropped in the in the garbage. You know, a hundred percent. I mean, but people are really weird about it. I'm telling you, it's like they give. Oh, are you throwing that cup out? Can I have that? And you're like, "Sure, sure, man. Do, do you want the wrapper for my ice cream too?" You know, you're you, you're kind of like, but it's the it's the whole experience. It's like they have chip witches there with peach ice cream. I, I don't know any other place that has that. Wait That's a minute. Awesome. That, you better stop right there. I mean, that, that, I, I think I'm in. Just I'm in just for that factor alone. Are you kidding me? I, it is so good. Let me tell you something. And, and it's like a dollar fifty. Oh wow! Because they keep the prices low. You know, it's just this whole experience. That's what makes it such an experience. You know, the pimento cheese sandwich, you go, okay, I'll have three of the, of the cinnamon ice cream chip witches. Oh, they're so good. <laughs> so here's what, you know, I want, just, here's what I want to know, though. I mean, when you go to the Masters, I mean, are yeah. you actually watching any golf? Or are you just on this mission to, I mean, to people watch and to talk to, to groundskeepers and, 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 and toiletarians? This is what I want to know. I mean, do you watch well, any golf? Are, are you interested on who's teeing off at 16 at 8.43 a.m.? No, but I am interested in going to the best range and the best media center on the planet. I don't care where you want to go. 
What sport? Nothing compares to the media center, leather seats on the back end of the range, uh. looking out a big glass. Plus, yeah, it's just glass looking out where they open it up and you're just looking out at the range, at this manicured range. And you go to that range and these guys are working on every aspect of their game. That's what I go to do. I'm watching how they put in the time. They're, they're monitoring every shot that they're doing on the range. And then I go up to where the 10th tee is, the first tee is, and the putting green. That's the best spot. Because you're seeing, you're seeing the action, you're watching the guys tee off, you're watching them warm up, and that's all you really need. Because to chase them down the fairway, what a pain in the neck. Is there a narrative out there that the master's a little bit too snobby or too snooty, that, you know, everything that you're talking about here, and are there golf fans that are turned off of that at all? I think they're turned off by golf. I don't know about Augusta. I think the people turn on your TV and you're like, did somebody adjust the hueing of my green? Because that's really green. Exactly. Yeah. That's what you we know. And that that's what we know. Yeah. You know, when they're wearing yellow, you know, ye- the yellow flag, that's Augusta yellow. Yeah. You know what I mean? They, they, everything. So is it, I think that Augusta is from the line from Field of Dreams. It's, it's, it's everything of your past. You're, you're capturing your youth by Augusta. You reflect on that time of year. It's kind of like springtime, like opening day in baseball and Augustus is now spring. And I don't think that the fan, because it's a major and you're seeing competition at its best. So I don't think that that's the snootiness. I think the snootiness you know, to me personally, is more the problem that golf itself has. It has a stigma attached with, you know, still with race and and needing more um, diversity. Um, and when you see diversity, it's exciting, but it should not be something of notice. It should just be something that happens. It should just be because they're the best golfers, but it should have a wide array of people there. I think that's the area of, of pushback that people feel, oh, it's snooty golf by nature, right? Mm-hmm. Golf is an acronym for gentlemen, only ladies forbidden, right? Yeah. So there is lots of things that golf has to overcome but Augusta, nah. People want to see the best players play the best golf course. And, and you talk about the colors. Uh, it, it's amazing. And I've never, ever seen a golf course with so many different flowers uh, throughout the course. The I azaleas. Mean, a, a, azaleas, yeah. the golden bells, the white dogwood, the camellias, uh, the Carolina cherries, the yellow jasmine. I mean, the list kind of goes on and on. The juniper uh, trees and everything, right? The magnolias. We hear about all this. I mean, is there another course even close to this? How about no. that flower? And Nunchuck's looking at me like, how about that flower knowledge? So you have, you mentioned <laughs> That was azaleas. impressive. 
What was it? Yeah, it was. I, I spent a lot of time around Adrian Adonis back in the day at the flower shop after uh, <laughs> trying to take over from uh, Roddy Roddy Piper in, the, in Piper's Pit. Yeah, you know, there you go. Uh, <laughs> you know, that reflection, I don't think that you'll ever find another person other than you making a reflection of Roddy right, Roddy Piper and Augusta in the same <laughs> sentence, but that's okay. Or Adrian Adonis, too. Is that, yeah, throw him in. Correct. <laughs> exactly. Correct. You know what? You know, it, it's like, are you going to find a turnbuckle at Augusta? I don't think so. Yeah. All right, but, my friend. I, I give I us your prediction, man. Who's uh, who? Who are we watching for? Who has the advantage on this course? Who? Give us the Scott Savloff special. Watch Scotty Scheffler either win or come real close. Jordan Spieth is peaking at the right time. He knows the course. And this course plays to his strength, especially when he's rolling the ball. And to me, I would love to see, this is just my own, is Cam Smith make a charge? So that way there is the controversy of people saying, maybe these guys should all sit in a room and these rich dudes should figure this shit out. <laughs> Get this stuff right. Stop your childish behavior of who's making more money. And I want to see Cam Smith... Scotty Scheffler, uh, my guy Rory, make a charge and have a, a cluttered leaderboard where people go, I've got to sit down and watch this on Sunday. Uh, that, that's my prediction. Uh, Numchuck was confused. I think you're playing the music of Roddy Roddy Piper. You thought we were at the British Open or something. What are you, what are you doing? That's, that's not Masters music. Isn't Piper a Scott? He's a Scott. Scott, you know, what you what you could do is you could play because you're down in Augusta. You could get away with playing the music from Deliverance because outside the gate, you never know what's going on outside the gate. But inside the gate, different experience. Yeah, you don't want to be caught outside the gates in that neighborhood, right? Let me tell you something. The the most underwhelming experience is when you get to Augusta, and God love it, I have relatives down there. But when you get to Gus, you're thinking the whole town is going to be like this. And you're like, whoa, <laughs> what, what happened? And then you get inside the gates. You're like, wow. You know, it's that giant wow factor. The, uh, you know, inside the gates is where you want to stay. Hmm. Brother, I appreciate it. As always, a great stuff. Uh, we'll be watching this tournament very, very carefully and closely. Uh, always exciting. It is the best golf experience, uh, as you've said, in person and uh, on television as well, too. So uh, looking forward to the snootiness, uh, looking to hopefully it, the the whole live tour versus PGA thing doesn't get uh, you know caught up. And that's a big story early on in the week. But you're right. You know, once we tee it off on Thursday, uh, we should not be hearing any of that. Now, you're not going to hear it on the national broadcast uh, with your good friend Jim Nance on CBS. But uh Always look forward to it, man, and I appreciate your synopsis. Well, my pleasure. Make sure uh, you do tune in when, when you're in between golf, the path to your podcast. My podcast, uh, this week I'm launching uh, some new music from the band OAR. Oh, yeah. There, there's something for you guys to pull up, a little OAR music. OAR. There, you know, and again, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to give you some love uh, and uh, drive uh, our listeners, you know, to your podcast one more time. Tell them where they can find the you. The path here. Yeah. The path yeah, here. You can here. go to yes. at, at Scott Zavlov on at Instagram. You, you find out all the little tidbits. All right, brother. Uh, I appreciate you as always. Uh, take care and uh, 
more than anything else, we appreciate Scott Savloff, our now, our new astute groundskeeper. <laughs> License to kill gophers by the government of the United Nations. Man, free to kill gophers at will. To kill, you must know your enemy. In this case, my enemy is a varmint. And a varmint will never quit, ever. They're like the Viet Cong. Varmint Cong. So what you gotta do, you gotta fall back. That's superior firepower. That's superior intelligence. And that's how she wrote. I do exactly what I want to do. It's, it's the, the Dr. T.C. Martin. You say I'm insane? I say thank you very much. The doctor is now in. Come on. Baby, don't you want to go? No, not yet. Not yet? Not yet. Keep Come going. On. Seven minutes, 47 seconds. <laughs> it is time for another trip to Chicago, man. I, I got to find an excuse to go to Chicago. Wrigley. I know, but it, it doesn't help when they're not very good. I know, got to go just to go, but it's not the same, man. They're actually decent this year. Look at them. They're, they're decent through, what, six games? Are you trying to tell me? Okay. We'll see. They're uh, looking promising. Baby. I do want to go to Wrigley this summer. I do want to go to Wrigley this summer. I need to. Chicago. You know who I'm going to take with me? My man Chuck Esposito, Mr. Chicago. He wants to go. Let's go, brother. Let's go. That's your cue, Chuck. I'm definitely ready to go, buddy. <laughs> when was the last time you went to Wrigley? Um, it's been a, it's been a few, um, but I, I, I do love going back. And you're right about going in the summer and... You know, you just kind of walk up those steps and you see the ivy and, you know, the history of the ballpark and who has actually played in that ballpark. Um, and there is something magical about it. Now, Chuck, did you go, have you been there since they did the renovations? I have. I have. Yeah. I've been to night games there. I've been there, you know, since the renovations. Um, you know, Wrigleyville has um, really changed dramatically. It's yeah. a lot of fun. And but uh, But I have. I have. I remember as a kid uh, getting out of school and my my mom taking my brother and I there and getting there like, you know, after the fifth inning and then waiting, you know, outside um, for the ball players. They actually had to to walk past people to get to their cars then and uh, to get autographs and and things like that. So it's just uh, great memories. It was fun, you know, growing up there and and having Wrigley as uh, the park you got to go see your, your favorite team play at was pretty special. I'm doing, you know, the uh, the um, Wayback Machine now. It's not that far, but I'm just doing the math. Last time, I haven't been back since 2015. Since I moved out here, I haven't been back to Wrigley. And, uh, you know, they were they were going through those renovations. They were changing, you know, the with the, the new scoreboard and all that other kind of stuff. And I know that a lot of people in Wrigleyville and diehard Cubs fans were saying, oh, man, I wish they wouldn't do that. But I think they did a pretty good job of of preserving that. But I'm due, man. I I, I want to go back uh, just le- just alone, Chuck, so I can get a couple Vienna all beef hot dogs right when I walk in the <laughs> gate, right there to the right with the grilled onions, baby. Yes, 
I think they had a nice cold old style, and your day is made. Get your old style here. No. Old style. Do we not remember the breaking news? We have breaking news? No more old style at Wrigley. That's right. Oh, that's right, huh? It shows you that I haven't been back there for several years. Oh, that sucks that's so crazy, bad. man, you know? How, now, what was the reason behind that? Don't tell me just Budweiser Budweiser took over. bought him out and... Or, took over and but they've had that partnership with budweiser long for a long time and they still had old style wow they booted him out huh <sighs> that's not remind man me. i know that is heartbreaking boy it is just heartbreaking it is well you don't have to do chuck that means you're just gonna have to go a little bit earlier and have a couple old styles before you go in the park because as we know there's a couple of taverns <laughs> that still have old style right I'm all good, boys. You know, if I could go back right now, I'd be all good with that. Oh, man. I, I got to do it. I, I got to just make sure to find time to go to Chicago uh, for that. Not only just Wrigley, but just, man, so many spots. My man, Chuck Esposito over at Red Rock Station Casino's um, executive director, vice president, uh, call him the, the guru, the czar, whatever, of the uh, the Station Casino's uh, race and sports book. Whatever that title is, Chuck, I think we covered it. There it is. <laughs> I think you covered mine, Jason. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, symbols. I think you covered them all in there, buddy. That's what it's all about. All right, man. So I want to hear about the Final Four experience uh, from Vegas. Since I wasn't around here, I want to know what was happening at your sports book. Uh, talk about the atmosphere and talk about you know coming into the games on Saturday, the two semifinal games, who they were betting, and where'd the line movement go? You know, it, it was strange, T. I'm not in a, a bad way, but I mean, when you think about last year with with Kansas and Nova and and North Carolina and Duke having the blue bloods and what you had this year, it was just it was a kind of a different feeling. The tournament as a whole was phenomenal. The crowds, the the atmosphere, the handle, kind of the hype in the book was great. Um, you know, a lot of upsets, a lot of unders, which were good for our side of the counter. I would say, though, that Final Four weekend and the championship game were both really good for the guests. If you had a look at two of the days that really stood out um, for the guests on the other side of the counter, that would be them. In both cases, you had UConn, who covered the number, both in the Final Four game and the championship game. And then in that first game, we saw a lot of San Diego State money plus the points in that game. Number got about as high as, uh, as as three, and there was a lot of money on the favorite, uh, excuse me, a lot of money on uh, Florida Atlantic plus the three, and a lot of money on San Diego State on the money line. So with that game falling one, uh, clearly was not best case scenario for our side of the counter. So two of the better days as far as, you know, the win-loss side of it really were the final four in the championship game uh, for our guests and betters on the other side of the counter. Chuck, I can tell you what that atmosphere was like in front of 73,000 when Lamont Butler hit that jumper uh, to give San Diego State uh, the victory. What was it like in that book, even though really that that shot did not have any outcome whatsoever, you know, on the on on the line either way. Now maybe money line betters, you know, for San money Diego line State. It did be, yeah. yeah, that's true. Money line it it, it definitely did. So, yeah. you know, there was people who had Florida Atlantic on the money line and, you know, pretty much the entire game thought that they were in the driver's seat. So it, it definitely did. It was loud. There was no question. There was a huge kind of, you know, eruption. Thought that Florida Atlantic really kind of misplayed the end of the game by by, you know, take it down. Those extra three seconds would have forced San Diego State to take a much different shot and not have as much time to kind of get down there, you know, make a few moves set up and take the jumper. When it left his hands, though, 
I think we all knew it was in. Yeah, yeah, amazing uh, game that was. And then as we uh, talked about, Chuck, it was kind of like the UConn Invitational, the way UConn just ran through the field of winning uh, those six games all by double digits, the closest game, a 13-point victory over Miami. Then you had you know, a 15-point victory over St. Mary's. And then the final game uh, on Monday night, a 16-point victory over San Diego State. Then you throw in the blowout to Arkansas, the blowout to the 28-point victory over Gonzaga. This UConn team was just uh, phenomenal and uh, just curious uh, how much action that you did take on UConn, not only on Saturday, but but uh, on Monday night as well. Yeah, as I said, T, you know, we were we were rooting against them in both cases. Um, so having them kind of win and blow them out and, you know, it, it, it was good for the other side of the counter. Uh, we really needed to keep the Monday night, the championship game under, um, and we weren't able to do it. We know that San Diego State plays kind of that ugly style and slow down. And uh, you could tell kind of in the first 10 minutes, a little bit more up-tempo. They were a little bit, you know, more attacking um, UConn in that game, uh, but not keeping it under, uh, having it go over and having UConn kind of win the way that they did first half in game. Again, probably one of the better, if not the best game in the tournament uh, for the guests and the betters on the other side of the counter. Now, Chuck, didn't that line, as far as the total goes, you know, didn't it open at 133 and, and close at 131? I think it was 132T and did dip down a little bit, but then really crept back up by a tip-off. Okay. But I think every parlay that was tied to um, uh, to UConn uh, had the over in it. Just thought right. that their style of play uh, and the, the amount of blow-ups that they had had in the tournament was really you know kind of conducive to a, a UConn and over-type bet. And that's what we saw a lot of um, in the hours leading up until tip-off. All right. We had talked before about the futures Leading up to this game in UConn, you could have got them at sixty to one earlier on. We know those those lines obviously adjusted, you know, much much lower, but still a decent payout for people who had the Huskies. Any liability uh, from your perspective on uh, on UConn, or were there any other scares, you know, going into that? No, not really. T. We were, as you mentioned, you know, and we talked about sixty to one. They weren't even ranked, you know, going into the season. Uh, so a lot of people didn't know how good UConn would or wouldn't be. But from a liability standpoint, actually in you know fairly good shape with both teams. A little bit better shape with San Diego State, but no liability whatsoever on UConn going in. Now, again, as I've said, uh, the decision on the game itself uh, was one of the better decisions uh, for the guests. Mm-hmm. Chuck Esposito joins us over at uh, Red Rock talking about the NCAA tournament. Chuck, uh, just uh, from your perspective, and I know you're a big basketball fan as well, too, especially a college basketball fan, what was the best moment of the NCAA tournament for you? I guess he just, you know, having, you know, so many schools that, you know, were able to play with the big boys. The fact that the last five years, and I guess it's a little bit catch-22. You know, you love to have the, the blue bloods in it and the teams that, um, that everybody follows. But I thought this year's tournament, you know, there was so much balance with some of these smaller schools. And I know that I've talked about, you know, kind of the David against Goliath and who's going to wear Cinderella's glass slipper. But I think it just screams at how much parity there is overall in the tournament. Um, I know that you and I talked about it, but that first Thursday and Friday, a lot more, a lot tighter lines, uh, not as many, you know, double digit favorites. Uh, not nearly as many teams, you know, uh, above 20. You used to see games in the 30s and even higher. Um, you just don't see that anymore. I think the tournament has really changed with the, the transfer portal, uh, kids one and done in many cases from some of the bigger schools. And I think from a parity perspective, 
uh, you've got to give uh, you know David a shot against Goliath right now, almost on a yearly basis. With that said, the last five years, a number one seed had won it, and 12 of the last 15, a number one seed had won it. But that, that script was altered and changed dramatically this year, and I think that's what kind of made it a fun tournament um, for our side of the counter, just the competitiveness of it and, and seeing and hearing the crowd and the atmosphere out there when some of these smaller schools were playing with the big boys and knocking uh, some of the big boys off. And for me, Chuck, I don't think uh, this was a one-off. I think this is kind of the new age of college basketball. And we've talked about it before, the transfer portal, the extra year of eligibility, but these were all older teams. I mean, yeah, average age of around 22, 23 years old for some of these teams. We saw San Diego State with seven seniors. And, uh, you know, for me, I, I, I love Miami it. too. I, I think Miami it. was an older team as well. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the parody of, of the aspect, but you know, you hear so many people. And I think it comes really more from casual basketball fans. Oh, there's no blue bloods or our brackets got blown up earlier on and they kind of lost interest and and I'm curious about the final you know television numbers of that championship game and I'm sure that you know we're probably going to hear that they were not uh um, you know, you know, the biggest because we didn't have those blue bloods. But from a betting perspective, from a handle perspective, did you see a drop in handle because we didn't have Kansas and didn't have North Carolina, didn't have Villanova, didn't didn't have those those major schools? Yeah, I mean, it definitely affected Handle T. Um, I think just from the unfamiliarity of some of these schools that they just aren't quite as familiar with. Um, on the flip side, the fact that it was San Diego State, a team from the mountain, and a team that, you know, our guests are familiar with from playing UNLV twice a year, I think that did benefit, though, and it helped um, the Handle somewhat. Uh, again, you want to see some of these small schools compete, and it's great, but when you don't have of these blue bloods in it, it definitely has somewhat of a, of a, I would say, a slightly negative effect to some degree. Um, the tournament was still great, terrific handle, great crowds, the atmosphere was terrific. Uh, we had four winners in the last man standing um, that will split uh, the, the prize pool that were left. And I, I really would be remiss if I didn't also include the, the women's uh, tournament and, and championship and Final Four. Um, the, the handle and the atmosphere, just what we drew on, on those Final Four games and then the championship game on Sunday was phenomenal. I mean, when you talk about maybe the men not having those big popular blue blood teams in there, having Iowa and and uh, and Caitlin Clark in there, and having South Carolina and Leah Boston in there was great. Having you know LSU and their star players in there and, and Virginia Tech. I mean, it was fun to watch. I mean, we put props up on on those on those games, uh, and they really were received really really well. Uh, from the guests. So um, I was excited that the women's, we saw such an uptick in kind of handle and excitement and enthusiasm uh, across the board. And it was phenomenal basketball. I really enjoyed watching the women's, uh, uh, you know, a lot during the season, but especially the tournament, Final Four, and then championship game. And that's great. I mean, again, you know, when you have the aces here and more and more people are going to the games, more and more people are betting on the WNBA game, specifically the aces, that's fantastic. And I think that, you know, because that Maybe you'll get, well, let me watch this college basketball stuff. And especially it, it helps, you know, when you got Asia Wilson from South Carolina and then the national attention that South Carolina is getting. They were 36 and one before that loss to Iowa in the final four on Friday night. And you mentioned the women's tournament. It was fantastic. And kudos to LSU, uh, for not only covering, but winning 
you know, that game outright and being the national champions were, you know, really. Uh, on the flip side, I'll interrupt you. That was a good game for our side of the counter. Yeah, there the is. Women's- Championship was really good, and so was I. Was upset of uh, of South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. So when you look at the the television ratings for the men's side in the NCAA championship game Monday night, uh, they drew fourteen point six million viewers. That was actually down fourteen percent. Which okay, I I understand that because of uh, the Kansas with North Carolina final last year, the two blue bloods. But the women's up a hundred and three percent. And uh, they showed that on ABC. They had 9.9 million viewers for that. So, hey, that I love hearing that, Chuck. I just love that people are, are were tuning in to watch uh, the women's final because that was a great game, too. I, I couldn't agree more, T. Um, you know, we kind of capitalized it throughout the season with, with UNLV uh, getting off to kind of that hot start and, and, a, and a team that was outside the top 25 but was on that long winning streak was starting to, to cut into that. So we had put... Um, a lot of the top 25 games up, all the Lady Rebel games up. And then once the tournament started, we had everything up as well um, to win it and uh, um, and all the games. Uh, I loved watching the women's finals and uh, the tournament. I thought it was tremendous basketball, so talented in, in the, the number of threes that they hit. Uh, they play really, really well. And I think everybody kind of got excited um, to watch these battles because – um, you had the star power um, in the women's um, that were really going for the Final Four in the championship game. So uh, fun to watch that side of it. Definitely a win-win from our side of the counter. And, and overall, I mean, the tournament as a whole, once you get through that kind of that big football game that, you know, it's at the first, of Feb, first week or two of February, um, once we get to tournament time, it is just electric, I think, in all of our sports book and the sports books and the atmosphere was just so much fun, not only for our guests, but I know for uh, our team and, and all the hub guys and, and ticket writers and, and the management team here, it was, it was the same. We, we always enjoy tournament time as well. You got it. Just a fantastic time. Uh, great job, Chuck. We appreciate it. Next big event, uh, we, we'll look at Kentucky Derby the first Saturday in May. And then you know you got the draft party, uh, the draft coming up. You're going to be doing, doing some stuff with that. We will talk about that next time we have you on as well, too. And then, of course, Major League Baseball. But uh, uh, great stuff. Uh, you know, I love talking with you about uh, – the tournament and, and everything else, Chuck, and we'll continue to talk with you next week when we start turning the page towards baseball. Sounds great, T. I appreciate uh, you know the, the fond memories we talked about on Chicago. It's yep. good to have you back and look forward to jumping in this stuff next week. You got it, brother. Appreciate you, Chuck. Thanks, buddy. There he is, Chuck Esposito at Red Rock. All right, I want to thank Chuck for joining us today. Scott Savloff talking about the Masters in Augusta. Great stuff there. Pete Gillen putting a bow and wrapping up the Final Four in the championship game. And, uh, you know, great trip uh, that I uh, got to partake in going back to the Final Four again this year in Houston and uh, along going with uh, a couple Astros games and see the championship ring ceremony. That was all all great stuff. All right, we'll go back at it again uh, tomorrow. Make sure that you uh, join us as we continue on here. And then we'll be at the Westgate of Las Vegas inside the world-famous Superbook, our Friday home, coming up this Friday. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website at tcmartinshow.com. And we say goodbye to college basketball. What a great season. I want to thank all of our contributors, our former players and coaches and our announcers and giving you the, the best coverage possible for this great sport. And also a shout-out to Jim Nance. Uh, great seeing him as he says his farewell to broadcasting college basketball. little confetti toss for Dan Hurley. Guys, middle loss.
We're, we're at a loss. We're at a loss for sure. The GOAT. Just remember, one thing I learned through all of this is everybody has a dream and everybody has a story to tell. Just try to find that story. Be kind. You told it better than most, let me tell you. Can I tell you one other thing? I mean this, not to try to play off Hello Friends, but to you, everybody in the college game, my CBS family, my family, all the viewers, thank you for being my friend.